Hello and welcome back to Naturally Adventures. This is Charlie Hesse. I'm speaking to you from Ghana. I'm currently leading a tropical birding Ghana tour. And I am going to chat to a guy that I've been wanting to uh, meet for quite a while. And it was a bit of a surprise. I didn't think I'd be able to meet him, but um, it's great. Owner and founder of Ashanti African Tours, Mark Williams. Nice to meet you. Welcome to Naturally Adventurous. Thank you. How are you doing, Charlie? You I'm on? great. Yeah, it was a bit of a surprise today when you turned up. I was like, who's this guy? <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't sure I was coming myself. So. Right. Yeah. yeah. But I wanted to meet you as well. So that's one nah, of the reasons I pushed it's myself. It's been a while. So I did my first, I led my first tour with Tropical Birding using Ashanti back in 2012 for a Japanese group. And then I came back in 2014 and 2016. So it's been a while since I've been here, but... Good to be back? It's good to be back, yeah. It feels nice to be here. We're just outside of Ankasa Forest. Ankasa Reserve, yeah. Reserve, yeah. So, um, which is quite an exciting place. We haven't done any birding here yet, but um, we're going to get straight into it tomorrow. But it's a really exciting area. It's quite an extensive area of forest, right? It's a continuous forest of 509 square kilometers. Right, yeah. And it borders Nini Suhin National Park. Just over the border. Uh, so it's, yeah, it's, two, it's Ancaster Reserve uh-huh. and then it's the National Park. And it, it, it actually is about 509 square kilometers. That's amazing. Pristine yeah. forest. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of the other places we've been birding, they've been like quite small patches and whatever. But it's, I guess there's still some big mammals and stuff. Yeah, there's um, some good mammals. Good yeah. Mammals here. There's still forest elephant here. Yeah, forest elephant. Yeah. We had, um, we had um, um, some clients a few weeks ago that saw forest elephant really? here. Yeah, um, you got bongo, bongo uh, yeah, kind of antelope, red um, river hog, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, lots of uh, dikers, uh, mm-hmm. pangolins. We have um, long-tailed pangolin, uh, tree pangolins here. Lots of enamelos and uh, lots of very cool birds, big spectacular hornbills and yeah, uh, uh, black yeah. cast and yellow cast hornbills, yeah. uh, black dwarf hornbills, and we have some white-breasted guinea fowls. If we're, you know, if you're lucky to see them, yeah, no, some good stuff. Yeah. Got my fingers crossed for that. So when I was here, I think I've been here twice before, 2014 and 2016, and we were camping then, which was organised by you guys, and it was fan- and it was fantastic. Good. It was good great. You know, big tents, and it had like these camping beds. So you know, it was like a little room that you had, and the the food was like the best food we had on the tour. Wow. Yeah, and it, everything was just so well organized. You know, Africa, sometimes, you know, in hotels and stuff, it's not always uh, the best customer service. But this was just like, you know, really well organized and really well done. So it was great. Good to um, hear. No complaints. But um, since then, you've built a lodge here. Yes. Yeah. So, Ancasa Reserve Lodge. Mm. So, um, we, I mean, we still do offer camping inside the forest. Right. But there was a need, a lot of people were not happy to. Um, sleep in the forest you know some people there's, want there's a bit of a phobia with sort of the more elderly like yes. Americans and stuff you just say camping and then they just start shaking yeah. their heads straight away you know they don't even want to know what it's about you know but um, yeah so I think it sort of opens things up definitely I mean it was, I think yeah. there was a need for a, um, accommodation close to the close to the park yeah uh-huh. offered um you know, rooms for people with, on different budgets as well. Yeah, I was surprised about that because we, we've obviously got the nice rooms. Yes. Um, which is great. But then I see you've done some, like, budget rooms as well. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we feel important to try and uh, cater for everyone to have access to the park. The park's uh, fantastic. Yeah. The more tourism we can uh, generate for the park, the better the protection of the park uh-huh. um, for, the nat- for the wildlife in the park. So um, we offer executive rooms, 
mid-range rooms and budget rooms as well. Uh -huh. So if you, and we also offer camping, so you can right. camp on site, you can bring your own tent, yeah. or we can also provide tents as well for you. So, so we're trying to cater for everyone's needs. Yeah, um, I guess you started building it before the pandemic, right? Yeah, it's been a struggle. Yeah, <laughs> and you didn't quite get it finished off before then. No, I mean it's so it's, it's not totally finished now. Right. Um, yeah, it's been a five-year, a five-year right. project. Yeah, but that must have been a bit of a pain. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> in, in fact, 2019 was a very good year, right, for for tourism here. Yeah. Um, so everything was great, and unfortunately, the, the pandemic hit, and then we had no business at all for over 12 months. Um, so it was a struggle, but we, you know, luckily we was able to finish. I'd say 50 percent of the lodge. So right. um, we still got some some um, some more to do, but hopefully. We're, we're through the worst of it now. We actually had a, a tropical birding tour that went in 20, early 2020. It was maybe March 2020. That's right. Keith. Uh, yeah, yeah, Keith was doing it. He, he asked me. I think he ended up doing it. I, I was doing something else. And I think they had to kind of rush to get out. It was like a, there was panicking and changing flights and stuff. That's right. I think it was one of your yeah. private tours. Yeah, um, it's a good friend of mine, Howard. Yeah, that I, um, I've guided many times. So how's the pandemic been for you and your family and your staff? been very tough for us right. I mean I'm originally from the UK um, and owning a shanty African tours here in Ghana my wife is from Ghana yeah but unfortunately companies in Ghana have to be solely owned by Ghanaians to right. get support from the government here so we've had no no financial support right from the government here and obviously yeah. in the UK we're not registered there so right. um, it's been quite difficult in that sense but um, uh -huh. we we were able to keep um, we, we employ 35 people really? and was able to keep them on salary probably about 10 months into really? the pandemic wow. and then um, we, we offered some support after that but what have your guys been busy doing I mean are they just just a lot of them have farms right so okay. a lot of them live in rural communities right. so uh, our office yeah. is based in um, uh, near Kakum National Park yeah in, um, in Jukwa uh -huh. and a lot of our guides have farms around the area uh -huh. so they've just gone back to farming what they did previously to right. uh, guiding yeah, so we kept all the office staff on salary. Right. So all of the all of our office team were, were yeah. kept on through the whole pandemic. Unfortunately, the guys we couldn't keep everyone on. No, but they had an alternative income, luckily. But yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I also had to find different stuff to do. I mean, personally, what what were you busy doing during that time? So myself redesigning our website. Right. Mm -hmm. Basically, just looking at the whole setup of the business and trying right. to. To see how we can improve our tours, new right. itiner writing new itineraries, and uh -huh. um, I was lucky enough to be able to to get through it in the UK. My yeah, wife works, yeah. right. so she supported she supported the family. And right, nice. She yeah. put up with me. Yeah, um, I, was, I was around a, a lot a lot more at that right. time. Um, I was in Ghana a bit less, but um, right. Yeah, so um, lucky enough, my wife my wife was very good, and she she supported financially, and I was able to like focus on the on seeing how Ashanti African tours can. You know, come out the other side even right. stronger than um, before the pandemic. So yeah, because not all companies have made it. Eh? I mean, there's a few yeah few virtual companies that just didn't didn't quite get through. Tropical birding, luckily, has has made it through the other side, yeah. and most of the guides have kind of managed to survive. But it's it was been a tough time, I guess, for everybody. Yeah, definitely a few yeah. companies that use us here unfortunately folded. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's been tough for everyone. You know, sad to see. I mean, a lot of the people that, you know, led tours to those companies were friends of ours. And, right. You know, it's just sad to see, you know, what happened. Um, 
but I think it's it's also an opportunity for you know a lot of people to start new businesses now. Right. Now we're coming out yeah, the other yeah. end, and uh -huh. there's a lot of young guys that work for companies that have got ambitions themselves to start a company right. themselves, and yeah. so hopefully um, some posit positives will come from it. Yeah, yeah. So how long have you been in Ghana? I don't know. So I I originally came to Ghana in 1997. Okay, 25 Ghanaian, years. Yeah, I met wow. a Ghanaian lady in a, in oh, a yeah? club in London. Oh, a nightclub right. in London when I was 17. Really? 18. <laughs> I was expecting you to be a lot older. When, when I saw you, kind of, you kind of like walked up to me and I was like, it can't be my, he's too young. He looks so too how old do you think I I, I wouldn't like to say, but no, you, go you've got. <laughs> <laughs> I'm older than you think. I think. I'm sure you are, but I mean, you look like you're in your thirties or something. You like, you like, look like super. It's got super like fresh, no. fresh face. Are you sure? Young, young, young boy's look. So I'm 47, man. Okay, you so look yeah. younger than 47. I'm, I'm younger, younger when I've shaved my <laughs> my grey beard off. Yeah, but uh, yeah. Okay. So you met her, and then and yeah. Uh -huh. So she was. Um, she was adopted when she was very young. Okay. By um, somebody in the UK, and she'd never oh. been back to Ghana. Oh, and um, you know, I've always had a passion for Africa, a love for Africa. Yeah. So, I was were, you a, were you a birder when you were young, or did that? No, I just now? I love I love nature. Nature, right? Um, yeah, just loved just loved being out in the, in in nature and right. never a birder, never right. birded in the UK. Okay. And yeah, so she'd never been back to Ghana, and she had family here that she she knew were there, and she hadn't seen for a long time. Right. And, and um, yeah, so I I was always pushing her. Let's go to right, Ghana. Let's go. go to Ghana. Yeah. And we went when we was nineteen. Wow. And I absolutely fell in love with Ghana. Really. The culture, people, the habitats, yeah. the, the wildlife. It's, I just absolutely fell in love with Ghana. So and how how was it going back for her? For her, it was very emotional. Imagine, she hadn't yeah. seen the family for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. So it was it was, it was emotional for her. But then you know then we set out our plans to look. We loved it so much. We want right. to. We want to try and do something. Here, yeah. You know? And then we um, we decided to try and build a house here. And we, okay. we said, look, we want to move back. She wants to move back to Ghana. Yeah. And I said, I'd love to. I'd love to be part of that. Uh huh. So we built a house in Kumasi. Um, in Kumasi. In Kumasi. It's like in the kind of middle of the country. Yeah. yeah in the middle. Yeah. That's where big, we're big family. Big that's where she's okay. from. Yeah. yeah. So she was an Ashanti. She was what? Um, she's from the Ashanti ethnic group. Oh, that's okay. That's where the name comes from. Exactly. Uh -huh. Yeah. So, <laughs> and back then I'm not very IT savvy, and I thought right. the Ashanti African source. I thought I thought when sounds, you do a search, good. I thought when you do a search on yeah. Google that I was young, you know, I thought it's alphabetical. So I thought Ashanti uh, African source might come up quite high. That's so a good. Thought, yeah, that's good. And yeah. obviously I was wrong. <laughs> right. But yeah. So anyway, obviously I wanted to uh, have a connection with the Ashantis. Stuff. Right, and culturally they're, they're very rich culturally as well. What, what sort of prompted you to think that you could <laughs> make a company like that? I mean, you probably didn't have any experience in no, so tourism. I was an or, so I was, yeah. a, I was a mechanical engineer. Yeah. So I I was a tool maker. Right. In Essex. <laughs> and uh, Romford Essex. Right. And I all I always had a burning desire. Yeah. I didn't basically I didn't enjoy what I was doing. Right. Okay. And um, when I came here, I saw an opportunity. I thought to myself, okay, I'd like to move here. I'd like to. I always wanted to do something in conservation, right? Community uh -huh. connection of conservation. Okay. And I, I had no idea about tourism. Right. Uh -huh. When I came here and I looked at the potential, and I thought to myself, okay, I want to move to Ghana. Yeah. I want to do conservation, community development. What do right. I do? Yeah. 
and then I, I thought, okay, maybe maybe tourism, I can connect tourism to, right. uh-huh. to these things and do maybe do some projects. So, right. So, um, so yeah, so that was the plan, really. So I did a bit of research and I I found a video of um, a bird finder's trip to Ghana. Oh, okay. Showing, yeah. They did a, a trip showing a birding trip they did. Right. Uh-huh. And then I did a bit of research and I, I saw there's a lot of interesting birds in Ghana. Yeah. And then I... I came to Ghana for two months in 2002 right. and did a recce trip all over the country. Uh-huh. Went to every national park, every corner of the country, and I started drawing up itineraries. Who did, you, who did you go with? Was it just you and your wife? or with, No, you found it, some other it was people? me. Uh-huh. Um, my wife's brother uh-huh. was, a, was one of our drivers. Who's, right. who's your driver? Who's my driver? Prince. Prince, yeah. And, um, and then his other brother, uh, right. who's not connected with the business now. Right. Uh-huh. I... Just basically research all the all the national parks, all the areas of interest, right. and we spent uh-huh. a couple of months just driving around in our Land Rover that you're going to be using tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Oh, same one, same one. Really, still working, still working. <laughs> <laughs> still, it's not the same engine, no. but it's still working. Right. Yeah. And um, we took, yeah, we just spent a couple of months going around and right. we started drawing up itineraries, finding guest houses, lodges, and stuff. And, and then I went back to work, and um, then we started to develop the website. Well, I, I started developing the website and then putting the itineraries together over the next three years and then um, building my house in Kumasi. Once that was finished, then in 2005, uh-huh. I um, set off to Ghana. I guess you needed to find some guides. Eh? I mean, that's a pretty key mm. part yes. of the business. So, I mean, how do you go about finding and training guides? So, initially, um, it was very difficult. So there was a, a chap in Accra that I contacted uh-huh. who was a bird guide. I think there's a website. He was, I found him on a website. It might have right. been Bird Guides or something. I can't remember right. what it's called. Uh-huh. Um, a chap called Kalu Afasi. Right. And he's still uh, leading tours now. He has his own company. Right. Uh-huh. Um, and I originally started using his services right. here when I, when I first came over. And also a gentleman called David Daramani. Okay. Who works for the Ghana Wildlife Society. Right. And it, we, we refer to him as Uncle David. Right. And he's <laughs> the father of birding in Ghana. Right. Okay. He, um, he's taken president's bird watching in Ghana. Wow. And he's, you know, he's he was really the first bird guide in Ghana, I would say. Yeah. Um, so I initially started with those two guides. Uh-huh. And then gradually, when I moved here full time, uh-huh. then I gradually started identifying uh, people that are really interested in wildlife and nature and then training them up. How did you find them up? So some were wildlife guides in okay. wildlife parks uh-huh. because unfortunately the wildlife division don't pay, no, didn't, sure. back then didn't pay a good salary. Right. Uh-huh. Um, but there was a few people that were very enthusiastic to learn uh-huh. more about birds, okay. um, some new birds. So there's a, a chap called William Aproku, who yeah. I think you've been on a oh, tour with a friend of mine. Yeah, yeah a friend of yours. <laughs> and um, he was one of our first bird guides, but he only knew savannah birds, really. Right. So then we had to get him in the forest zone. And then I... He was, I, at, was he at Kalakpa or...? Shy Hills. Well, he was at Shy Hills, okay. Yes. And by right. the time we met William, yeah. I had a chap working with me called Robert Antaka. Sure, yeah. And he was uh, a guide at Kakum National Park. Right, okay. And he was the first um, guy guy that I employed on a full-time right. basis sure. with the business uh-huh. and um, so he helped train up William uh-huh. and then really from there we then started identifying people that live near the national parks right. that have actually 
got experience, some kind of maybe yeah, in the forest habitat, but didn't know birds, but was interested. And then from there, we sort of trained them up. So you're working with Paul now, who yeah. was, you know, is uh, someone who's worked with us for probably eight years, but he was he had no experience of birding when he joined us. He was, wasn't he? I think he might have been on my first tour as in 2012 as an assistant. Yeah. So you, you would often send a guide. We knew it really well, and you'd send an assistant to sort of learn. So every tour would yeah. have two guides. Right. So we'd have a yeah. lead guide and an assistant guide, and that's how we trained them. Right. Um, in addition to obviously training when they're not on tours. Yeah. Because it's not just about knowing the birds, it's about got logistics, it's about how just, sociable you are with the clients. Yeah. Um, There's so much, skills, yeah. so much to, to guide, and as you know yourself. Sure, yeah. But I mean, one of the things that stands out with Ashanti it's just the, the standard of the guides I mean they're really some of the best guides in Africa really Thank I mean they're really outstanding I've always wondered how you managed to sort of find them and train I'm them I'm very so, lucky yeah <laughs> you might, there must have been a little bit of luck involved I guess but, I'm very lucky I mean I think the, the key thing is to make them feel valued yeah and make them feel part of the business yeah and for me it's very important never to offer a guide uh-huh for a tour that is not to the standard to lead a tour. Right. It's not yeah. about money. Yeah. It's about the quality of what you're offering. Uh-huh. So if our assistant guides are not yet at the level to lead a tour, we will not right. offer them as a, as, a, as a leader for a tour. Yeah. But gradually, if they have the passion yeah. to learn, and if they feel part of the Shanty family, right. they will uh-huh. put the effort in. Yeah. And you know, I don't think we've had any assistant guide that has not actually qualified to become a full-time right. leader yeah. that has, has worked through us. And they're all, part of, they're all part of the team, you know? Right. You've got a great kind of camaraderie. I mean, we've just been having dinner and you guys are sort of sat at another table just having a, a whale of a time up a there. Few so. and, a few beers. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah. So I you, mean, yeah, we're, we're like family. That's yeah. how I describe the business, right. the people to work with. Yeah. 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 No, it's fantastic. It's, it's been an absolute pleasure to do tours with you guys. I mean, you're a real kind of professional organization Thank and you. really, really top-notch guides and real good organization and just yeah you've got a very I appreciate good, it I mean for yeah. us we, we get our pleasure from you know people come to Ghana you're probably going to come to Ghana once yeah there's so yeah. many birding destinations around the sure world. yeah and if we don't offer you the best service you know if you go away feeling that we haven't you know offered you the best service yeah. and you haven't had the best experience then we failed and you know I take it very personally and we all do you know we we are passionate about what we do yeah. and we are so it's not about it's a, just about you leaving having had the best experience right. and that's what we yeah. that's what we try to try to achieve but it's obviously with great leaders like yourself <laughs> coming over <laughs> as well you know it's, it's, it's not just about us it's about yeah. you know but it's no, it, I mean but all the guys that I've met from Ashanti have just been very fun to work with and, uh, it's, been, it's been great I, I was going to say you're very lucky in Ghana that you've got a really amazing draw card, which is a pick of thirties. Yes. So not everybody that listens is a bird watcher, but it's this it's sometimes called a rock fowl. It's like a sort of fairly large bird. It's white. It's, got, it's weird looking. Big long neck and bare. Some say crow like. Yeah. Bear. I mean, it's just a totally unique bird and famous amongst you know world birders. And it's in its own family, so it's something that people will come on a tour to Ghana just to see that one bird. So, how did it come about that you found out where these were and 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 set up that project at the Picathari site? 
so as a non-birder initially right yeah. um the first saw we did for shanty was a, a bird saw um and we didn't know about the picatatis right i'll be honest yeah. in 2005 and then i had a group um that wanted to tour with us in two, february 2007 uh-huh. and the leader of the group said um can we visit the Picatatis? Yeah, that was sad. And I was like, well, I'm not sure. Let me ask the pro guys. Right, yeah. And he said, no, they've recently discovered it. So right. I, we actually got told about it. Right. The Ghana Wildlife Society uh-huh. had um, basically someone who worked for NCRC, National Conservation Research Center right. in Ghana, uh-huh. accidentally stumbled across a nesting site in the Brongafo region, which is north of Kumasi. Right. Uh-huh. Um, by chance. He was right. with some students just going through the bush and they uh-huh. come across a nesting site. Right. Which is which is like a big rock, like it's a huge rock face. Rock yeah. face with yeah. mud nests yeah. on, the, on the front. And, and um, they're sort of colonial nesters, right? They sort yes. of, a few birds will come and make their nests. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And um, the person had a bit of knowledge about birds and he said, right. wow, this is this has been thought to be extinct for over 50 years in Ghana. Right, really. So then they contacted the Ghana Wildlife Society who, got, who then got funding to do a lot of research over the whole of Ghana. Right. Uh-huh. And um, they discovered several nesting sites in several rainforests. They uh-huh. were going to villages, showing right. the picture of the birds of uh-huh. local villages. Uh-huh. The villagers were sending, taking them, basically taking them to the nest and say, yeah, we, you know, we've been enjoying eating this bird for a year. Really? Or this is where they are, you know. Um, so they discovered one in a place called uh, Bonkro, right? Nyame Beppo Forest Reserve, right? So I contacted the Ghana Wildlife Society, and I said, "Look, I hear you've been doing a lot of research on this species. Uh-huh. Is there any chance that we can look at some uh, tourism, ecotourism coming there? Uh-huh. But we need to be able to sort of benefit the communities that surround the nesting sites there because it's you know it's important that we don't just go into the forest sure. and walk out of the forest and the communities don't get any benefit from sure. so they set up we was actually the first company that sent a group of bird watchers to see the picatatis yeah um and that was in february 2007 right um and then from there the ghana wildlife society the uh, one of their uh, staff at the time were doing their phd on the picatatis uh-huh. so there's a big presence for the ghana wildlife society in the in that forest area right uh-huh. which is the biggest colony of picatatis in Ghana, right. I think there was around 15, 20 nesting sites in that forest. Yeah. And then, sadly, when they, the person had done their PhD, there was no presence at all from the uh-huh. wildlife society there. And we were taking tour groups there, tour groups there. And I had suggested myself to the executive director of the wildlife site that we pay an entrance fee. Right. It goes into a community fund yeah. so that they, the communities benefit from us going there. Uh-huh. And then after a couple of years, we were, we were hearing complaints from the community that they're not receiving any of this yeah, money. Yeah, yeah. So then we decided to do our own project there. Right. Uh-huh. So in 2008, 2009, we decided to start building a school. Uh-huh. We were basically, we had a meeting with the community. We said, look, we've got a special bird here. We want to protect the forest, uh-huh. but you need to benefit from it. What is it? How do you know? What do you need in the communities? What can we help you with? Uh-huh. They said they don't have a school. Right. Children are not schooling until they're nine, yeah. ten because they have to walk six kilometres to the nearest school. Right. Parents don't want to leave the children to walk that, that yeah. far. Um, so we then started to build a school. And over the next ten years, we've been um, lucky enough to be able to build a school for over 300 children. Uh-huh. We've built um, accommodation and a restaurant and a reception centre. Uh-huh where all of the proceeds from that accommodation and reception centre 
go back into the community fund. Right. So we stay there with clients. Um, we pay for the rooms they eat there. They pay for the food. We employ people in the communities. And we also sponsor um, community forest committee members to patrol the forest and right. stop any illegal activities, yeah. illegal uh-huh. hunting and, and um, illegal logging of the forest. And um, the first time we took people to see the Pictus artists in 2007, mm. and for about three years, you'd hear the constant noise of chainsaws right. in the background. Yeah. The forest was being cut down. And luckily enough, I'd say in the last five, six years, there's been no trees cut in the forest, right. which I feel is, is the down to the community there, yeah. being very much involved in the project. Right. And um, knowing that they're actually receiving something, the benefit of protecting the forest, which yeah. is important. Yeah. It's been a struggle, you know, I'm not, it's not perfect. There are still some hunting activities in the forest, but yeah, it is much better. And from 2007, in about 2009, we used to see one or two birds uh-huh. at the nesting sites. And now we're seeing eight, nine, ten birds. So we know the population is, is definitely doing, right. doing much better. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of fun to go up there. It's quite exciting. You know, you're not sure whether you're going to see it and you're climbing up there and then you kind of, it's, what is it, like um, 30, 40 minute walk up, 45 minutes walk up. And then you depending get... Depending on how fit you are. Depending on how fit you are, <laughs> yeah. And then you get to the base of this big, like, big rock this big cliff and there's these benches that are that are laid out so you just sit on the benches and you, and you wait yeah. and they can arrive at any certain time and then just that kind of like tension you know and then the first one you see a little movement like hopping up and it's just really exciting it's actually a really uh, cool thing and it's um, I, there's a lady on the tour she went to another African country to see Epicathades and they, they waited and they didn't see it we've never missed it we've never no. missed it we've yeah. been very lucky that every single trip that we've done yeah. in the last 15 years have seen the species and it's even I'm hoping that we're not going to be the first <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure we're going to it's see it not. but it's, it's just I mean it's just nice to see the the increase in birds yeah definitely yeah. and they, they're very they're quite sensitive to disturbance as well I know a few mm. other nesting sites in other countries mm. where they've been they've abandoned the, the, the colony because of um, disturbance yeah so you've got to be quite careful the key is yeah. I mean there's lots of nesting sites in Ghana uh-huh. I've visited that are abandoned right yeah and the pigotitis, they, they, they need closed canopy above right. um, their nest uh-huh. they don't like vegetation to grow under their nest right yeah and as soon as the canopy is open, by right. if someone's cut a tree close to the nesting site, yeah. then they move. Right. And when they run out of places to move, the species suffers. Yeah. Unfortunately. <clears throat> so um, the key is to stop the logging. Yeah. You know, even if you take one tree out near a nesting site, then that nesting site will be abandoned. Yeah. And it's a sad to see, especially around Accra, there's lots of, you know, they, they live in hilly areas, you know, yeah. um, in the rock faces. Right. And there's lots of hilly areas around Accra with so many abandoned old nests right. really. that have been abandoned for 10, been. 15, 20 yeah. years. Yeah, and if, in all honesty, if the logging at Bonkro had continued, yeah, they would have gone. Too. By 2012, 2015, there would have yeah. been no big right. Yeah. But we're, we are actually trying to get it um, converted from a um, productive reserve to uh-huh. protect it. Right. So we're actually going through the process now right. trying to get that done from uh, the Forestry Commission of Ghana because currently there are no pigotatis that are in a protected area. Right. So even the one you're, the, the, the site we visit at Bonkro uh-huh. is a timber concession. Right. So that is a very big worry for us and that is, yeah. a, that is an area that we really need to sort of try and 
make progress on and try and get it converted from productive to protective. In the 10 years that I've been coming here, we, we visited a site today at the Ebekalpa and we walked in and I could, I could see just in my few visits that that forest had been pushed back. Yeah. There was, um, you know, there was some great forest areas and now which is just all farmland. So there is still a, a major problem in Ghana with habitat loss, I guess, isn't there? There's a big problem in Ghana with habitat loss, but also a lot of that is from illegal mining. Okay. Right. So there's a, there's a big pressure from um, Chinese community in Ghana doing illegal gold mining, employing local Ghanaians. And in addition, uh, yeah, there's a lot of uh, illegal logging as well. Right. Um, and that, that is a problem. So the protected areas are okay, but yeah. the forest reserves right. that are surrounding them, it's, there's a lot of pressure on it. So it's quite depressing sometimes when you've lived here and you've seen yeah. the forest reduce in, in areas. Yeah. But tourism is a way that we feel that we can try and save the forest here through, through I have noticed that some of the places we visited like Antwiqua and Ebekalpa there's like a payment that goes to the community that, yeah so in Vekampa well. where you went we set up that community payment right there yeah. for, personally for me I feel that the only way to protect an area is to show the communities the immediate benefits from conserving it right habitat yeah. uh -huh. it's for us it's not responsible for me to go and say to someone you, you stop cutting your trees stop hunting your animals yeah. you've been doing it for generations yeah. What, yeah. that is their income that is their source of income what uh -huh. they, you, you need to replace that with something Yeah. so that we need to set up funds financially go in there and, and offer them something alternative like alternative um, farming techniques right. methods uh -huh. like farming snails farming beekeeping sure yeah, I, I saw the, the bee king the, the bee project as yes. well we saw that the stingless bee yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, and, that, and uh -huh. honey is very expensive in Ghana. Right. If you uh -huh. can produce honey, it's, it's you no know, good, good business. Yeah, exactly. It's good business. Or snails. Right. Snails. You know. So they eat them. Eh? They eat the African snails. African snails are the biggest yeah. snails in the world. Yeah. I've, uh, actually, I've actually eaten one of those four years ago in, in camera. I'm a vegetarian now. I wasn't always. <laughs> Did you like but it? They. It's very kind of. It's like rubber almost. Yes. It's kind of like uh, very chewy. Yeah. But they kind of like barbecue it. I guess don't they? It's kind of. You put it yeah. in soups. Right. Um, it's very good for pregnant women apparently. Oh, right. Yeah, my wife was very keen for me to be picking up a bowl of snails. Really? When she was pregnant, yes. Um, Does the um, father have to eat them as well? Or? I, well, <laughs> in, in, a, a few times, if, right. you know, if there's nothing else. <laughs> you know. But, uh, yeah, it's not, it's not my favorite. Really. Right, but you can farm those and, and so you sell can farm them. them yeah. right. okay. You can farm them as well. Um, and also bushmeat farming. You know, yeah. um, uh, grass cutter, which is uh, cane rats right. uh -huh. in Ghana, is, is a delicacy. Right. And it's very expensive. Yeah. yeah. Um, and hunters go into the forest all the time hunting grass cutter. Right. But ultimately, they they kill so many other mammals right. and animals. Uh -huh. So if we can introduce farming of grass cutter, right. So it can be sold. They stop going into the forest. Sure. You know because it's easier and it's yeah. very very profitable for them. And is it quite? Does it work? Yes, the, it works. The, and they yeah. produce a lot of young as well. Yeah. So it's right. um, yeah. So it's very profitable for them. Yeah. Cool. But they just need that. They just need that education. They just need that experience. Had to set up the farms. Yeah. And, you know. So this is these are all projects that we're looking to introduce right. around the big tartis forest yeah. um, to sort of ease the pressure on the forest sure. from, from these yeah. Yeah, these, uh, these uh, local communities. What's the future then for Ashanti? Have you got like a long term vision, or just carry on with what you're doing? We'd like to. We'd like to try and get um, Vonkrov the, the yeah, uh -huh. protected yeah um, that is one of our main objectives right 
Um, we've got this lodge here. Um, uh-huh. One of the reasons we built this lodge at Ancasa is because we want to increase the protection of the park here as sure. well. There's a lot of hunting that goes on in Ancasa Reserve, right. and we want to try and um, reduce that and try and also support the wildlife division. Right. Um, we've expanded into Sautome and Principe. Oh, really? So we now okay. have a local agency in Sautome and Principe. Right. So we, uh-huh. um, uh, we've got a local agency there, and we also now offer trips to uh, Sierra Leone, okay. uh, Liberia. And there's local guides in those yeah, places that you use, guides, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, so we use local guides, and then... Um, yeah, South Tome, Prince Bay, we do Togo and Benin as well, so right. we do Togo and Benin trips. We we do, we are very much focused on wildlife and birding sure. and mammal trips, but we also do culture, right. cultural trips as well. The butterfly we tours as well. Butterfly trips, yeah. yeah. Very popular. Ghana is fantastic for butterflies. I mean, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's hard to, you know, you're always looking at birds, but they're just constantly surrounded by butterflies. Just Almost a thousand species. Really? So, Lancaster Reserve here yeah. has more species than the entire continent of Europe. Wow. Incredible. So 630 species wow. in Ancasa. Yeah, and we have yeah. endemic species and regional endemics. Yeah. yeah, and we have, we're very, I'm very lucky to have three very good butterfly guides. Right. Yeah, with uh-huh. us, who work with us, that work with uh, uh, Shafi, who's the the main, uh, and Torben Larson, who did the West African right. butterfly guide yeah. book. Yeah, so that we, they, they work uh, closely with them as well. So, so yeah, so butterfly trawls are very, very popular. So is, is there any way people can kind of support your community projects and stuff, uh, donations? and? Yes, so we have an NGO. So right. we established an NGO called Rainforest Rescue Ghana. Okay. Uh-huh. So um, initially we was just putting our profits into the, um, the projects, yeah. but we needed to really separate that so we could we could receive donations that sure. don't get taxed on. Sure. So we established yeah. the NGO Rainforest Rescue Ghana. Okay. So um, you can contact Ashanti African Tours. Yeah. And um, and we'll give you the details to right. donate to the NGO. Cool. We'll put some of those things on the uh, on our um, episode description, link, link, links and stuff. So yeah, it's um, some really great work that you're doing. Thank you very, very much. Very impressive. But yeah, it's been a pleasure. It's very, uh, great to meet you. And you, John. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> Finally, we've been we've spoken on the chatting, phone. We've been on the phone, social media. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Finally made it. So that's um, that's great. Cool. Anyways, thanks for coming on. Does the Picathonies have much of a vocalization? I can't think that I've yes, heard it. Yes, it. it does call. What does it do? Don't, don't ask me to whistle. <laughs> but it's, 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 it doesn't call all the time. Right. Depends, I think it's, it maybe depends on the time you, you visit. Right. But sometimes you do hear it calling. Right. I mean, our guides would be much better yeah. qualified to... Uh, we, uh, we always finish the episode with, uh, with a natural sound, usually of a bird, an animal that we've done. So I'll try and I can find a... Yeah, I'm hoping we're going to see some cool stuff here at Ancasa, and then I'm afterwards sure. we're going to start heading up to the Picatardi site. So that's uh, maybe the Enkilengu Rao or something would be nice. Oh, we're hoping. Yeah, <laughs> living hope. There's still a few birds and mammals as well in the reserve that I haven't seen. So uh, any any uh, particular ones? I like this, uh, like the tiger heron. There's uh, yeah, Enkilengu Rail, gray-throated Rail, maybe. Or, yeah, yeah, nice. yeah. No, there's some. There's a few different ones, but uh, I'll, I will see what we see. Well, good luck. Yeah, cheers. Really good hands. Yep, cool. Anyway, thanks for coming on. And um, yeah, good luck with your projects. Thanks, Charlie.